I think when this white girl is yelling at them, not yelling, but like hysterical and basically not giving in, and they don't like doesn't seem to care that they have machine guns strapped on them. They're at this point like, wow, over I, a couple kites. Yeah, I mean, I guess geez. We can't intimidate her, so we're just gonna let this happen. Let's just get them on the plane and out of our country. The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, Episode 279. It's illegal for foreigners to take India's currency, the rupee, out of India. I guess that's just another law we've broken in our five years of travel. Over the last five years, we have been very fortunate and very blessed to have had the opportunity to travel quite heavily. And as you're going to see in today's podcast, our travel style and the way we travel and what we want out of travel has changed a lot in the last five years. But the one thing that has not changed for me, the one thing that has always remained constant is the fact that I travel with just a carry-on sized backpack. And in the last four years, that backpack has been the Tortuga backpack. And in the last one year, it has been their brand new edition, the Tortuga Outbreaker backpack. So if you're looking for the perfect travel carry-on backpack, the one that I take with me all over the world, head on over to tortugabackpacks.com. Don't forget to use the promo code EPOP, that's E-P-O-P, all capital letters, and that'll get you 10% off your entire order. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is someone whose disdain for rug on stairs has led me to a few nicks and a little bit of bleeding over the last few days. You're complaining, but the disdain I have for rugs on stairs happened to be for a very ugly old rug on top of very nice hardwood stairs. It's true. So, Those staples are like barbed wire. Though. Those things will rip up your hands. We're currently sitting here <laughs> in our newest Airbnb investment property in Philadelphia. It's a great property, but we're sitting in the bedroom recording because right now there is only a bed in one room and the rest of the house is pretty much either empty or trashed with boxes and recycling and things like that. So we have been thrown up here in the third floor bedroom. Not our most exotic location to record a podcast from. Not our most exotic. <laughs> We're going to get into that today in an awesome, awesome episode that we have for you, one that we've had a lot of fun putting together and are super excited to record, our 32 lessons we've learned from traveling around the world for five years. So we started our quote-unquote nomadic journey, I guess you would say, when we left Japan. And that was right around July of 2012. So we're coming up here on five years. Obviously, we traveled before that. But we're talking about five years of 
being location independent, getting to travel when we want, where we want, and things like that. And we have learned quite a few lessons. We've distilled them down into 32. And even that took a little bit of work. For sure. And I have to say that, you know, sometimes it seems like it's been a long time, like five years has been a long time. But then other times I look back and I'm like, we've been back in the US. I mean, we left Japan five years ago. It seems long sometimes and it seems like not that long. It, it is one of those weird mind warp things when you talk about how long ago it's been. If you told me, hey, you've only been doing this lifestyle for five years, I'd be like, that's crazy. I can't remember what our old life looked like or I couldn't put myself in that position again. But then when you say five years, yeah, you do start to think, oh, man, when I started doing this, we were not even 30 yet. So yeah, depending on how you look at it, it's all relative. We wanted to do this episode today uh, specifically because we also have the Paradise Pack coming out. If you're listening to this right when this comes out, uh, we have our Paradise Pack sale, which happens once a year. And these are this is the world's best bundle sale of products for helping you travel, live, and work anywhere in the world. My co-founder with that, Jason from the Zero to Travel podcast, and I have put that together This is now the fourth year we are doing this in 2017. It gets bigger and better every single year. And the goal of that is to give you the foundation that you need to become location independent. We've been lucky enough to be location independent for the past five years. We're going to give you some of those experiences in these lessons, but it's an absolutely amazing thing. If you're looking to become location independent, we've taken all the best resources, bundle them together, and they're only available for seven days. That's it. Each year, seven days from May 30th to June 5th this year, 2017. And you can get that and all the information about that by heading to extrapackofpeanuts.com slash paradise. So if you head to extrapackofpeanuts.com slash paradise, you can find out all about the Paradise Pack. If the sale is going on while you are listening to this, head on over there. You'll see everything that's involved at the Paradise Pack. So hopefully people get that and become can become location independent as well and take some of these rules and don't make or take some of these lessons i shouldn't say rules some of these <laughs> lessons, lessons that we've learned yeah and take them and implement them into your own life so that maybe you don't make some of the same mistakes that we do although well, some of these mistakes were pretty fun some of these mistakes <laughs> were pretty fun let's get and into they're it they're not all mistakes of course yeah let's get into it at our 32 lessons we've learned from traveling around the world for the past 5 years lesson number 1 so We're starting out with a doozy, like the biggest, probably the biggest way, one of the biggest ways that we have changed our travel. And that is to travel slower, travel slower. Now, this is something that Travis is still a little bit resistant to sometimes because he really gets that wanderlust more than anyone I know that's like if we're in an area he wants to go to all the surrounding areas. You know what I mean? Like you can't just go to... To Prague, you have to go to Slovenia, you have to go to Bratislava, you have to go to Lithuania. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Like you go somewhere and you you just you get this desire to see every single thing you can possibly see in that area within like a 200 mile radius, sometimes longer. Sometimes I just look (laughs) at a map. And if this is especially the first time I'm in a part of the world, I just think, wow, I didn't know this was so, quote unquote, close to somewhere else. Sometimes it's not close nor easy to get to, but I do get that wanderlust. We have slowed it down a lot. And one of the biggest lessons we learned was that in order to live this lifestyle successfully, to travel, live and work, and those are the two pieces that, that we had to learn, the live and work anywhere, 
and not just the travel was that we had to slow down our travel so that we could have time to enjoy an area. We could have time to get out and see things and not feel this stress every day of, wait, can we, should we work? Should we get out and see this? You know, we used to do three days in the area and then move around and it's just, you know, it, it worked for traveling. Even that got tiresome. Even if you were just straight traveling, sometimes that got tiresome, but especially was tiresome and led to some burnout, which we'll talk about in a few minutes when we were trying to actually work and run a business and make money as, as we were traveling. So we definitely travel slower now. And some of the things we talk about in these lessons, will come back to that. But that was, that's probably our 100%. biggest change in yeah. our travel. And another thing that I want to throw on top of that, because I don't think we added it to this list, but it is a change. And because, you know, the Paradise Pack is coming out and we're talking about becoming location independent, we should talk about bundling our work. That's something that we definitely changed a bunch. And I, I can't believe we didn't give this like an actual number on the list. Yeah. But why we, don't you explain what that is? Basically, what we try to do now is when we are somewhere for a long period of time or when we are home, especially, we try to get done a lot of work, focus on work, push big projects forward, all that kind of stuff. So that then when we are traveling, we can do, you know, 80 or 90 percent travel, 10 or 20 percent work. And then flip that when we're at home. So when we're traveling, we can travel again for travel's sake, not try to do a as much stuff when we are traveling, especially if we are fast traveling, because we do do that sometimes just again to get out there for that sake and, and go three days sure. somewhere and go and go, go. So yeah, bundling our travel slash work life has been a big, big change and something that took us a good three or four years to even start to get a hang of. I won't say we have the hang of it, you know, fully <laughs> yet. Yeah. Number two. We like to plan more, but not too much, which basically means that, you know, we like to plan accommodations for at least the first few nights of every trip. But we like that flexibility of being able to say, oh, maybe we want to stay a few nights longer here or maybe we want to stay um you know, move on somewhere else. So we don't always book our entire trip out before we leave, especially because sometimes we're traveling for a month or two and we, we don't know exactly every destination we'll hit when we leave our doorstep. Yeah, our planning looks like basically accommodations and flights. And so as Heather mentioned, we'll, we'll do a few nights of accommodations. We used to not plan at all. This led us to a very dire <laughs> night in in. Uh, Bali, when we were on the back of a guy's motorbike, pouring through the rain, had nowhere to At stay midnight. when we arrived there. Yeah, so we plan our accommodations a little bit first few nights, but not the whole thing. Also with flights, sometimes and a lot of times, because we have this flexibility because we do make our own schedule, planning a flight to a destination, but not home. So it gives us the flexibility. So we have started to plan more. So we travel slower. That's the biggest change. We plan more, but not too much. You know, we don't want to hem ourselves in. And then the third rule and the third biggest change, I'd say these are the three biggest ones, spend a little more to make yourself comfortable. This is a rule that, of course, I love because I love being comfortable. And our rules for this are a little different. We between... keep calling them rules here. <laughs> we should say lessons that we've learned. Lessons. But we do call this the $10 rule, which Trav learned from one of his friends. I learned this from Chris Guillebeau, um, who runs the World Domination Summit and Art of Nonconformity. And the $10 rule, when he told me this on podcast, a light kind of went off and I thought, all right, I can jive with this. The idea that if something in that moment is going to make your life better, more convenient, um, you know, easier, more enjoyable, whatever it is, and it's $10 or less, don't even question it. 
just do it. And the biggest example that we have of this is when we're in Thailand, where everything is a dollar or less, you know, meals are awesome, and they're a dollar or $2 max. And there was a pack of playing cards, and we wanted them to go sit on the beach and play cards. And they were $8. No idea why these playing cards were so much. (laughs) Someone must have a monopoly on the playing card business there in Thailand. And I thought, this is insane. $8? For a pack of playing cards, and I had to follow a ten dollar rule, and I said, "Yeah, this I'm getting gouged. I know it. This is obscene. I can get literally eight meals of my favorite thing in the world, cow soy from cow soy Mesai, for the same pack of playing cards, but." It is $8 travel. Let's get the playing cards. Exactly. And I mean, Heather likes to change this rule a little bit. (laughs) Well, you know, it doesn't have to be $10. It could be $20, $30, or even $100. She likes to add a zero to the $10 rule. $100 rule. Now, I wouldn't. I wouldn't encourage maybe spending a hundred extra dollars every day. But my example of this is when I was sick one time in Georgia and we were supposed to stay at this little teeny tiny guest house, which just happened to be a bedroom in an old woman's very outdated house without its own bathroom. Who did not speak English. Who did not speak any English. It just, it didn't seem comfortable for me. I was very sick and there was a really nice hotel and it was going to cost us, you know, a lot more, like $100 more. $140, yeah. And for me, I would have been like, yeah, this $100 is worth its weight in gold to be in a comfortable place Th- when you're sick. So, you we know, you kind of have we to compromise. compromise. Thanks to our thanks to our boy Akko, he talked it down to seventy dollars a night, half the price. Yeah. So seventy, I could swallow. Trav could swallow that. We weren't so swallowing just... much else though because we were throwing up and going to the bathroom all day and night. So it was well worth its money. But it just depends on what your you know number is, and you should think about that in advance because it really could change the way a day is going. Yeah. We will be getting through these lessons, don't worry, much quicker. Those are our three biggest ones when it comes to traveling slower, planning more but not too much, and spending a little more to make ourselves comfortable. Our first three lessons we learned, probably the three biggest lessons we learned. Number four, talking about accommodations, a lesson we learned very quickly in our very first backpacking trip and the first time we went to Thailand is that a $2 hostel in Thailand is exactly what you'd expect from a $2 hostel <laughs> in Thailand. You get what you pay for. We moved on to the $10 a night hostel, and it was more than five times better. So the value there was even better. Exponential. Number five, we always try to give back to the local economy. Now, I think that this is a big trend in travel, and I think when we first started out, we did this, but we're even more cognizant of it now, just that when we go to especially third world countries, you know, maybe we're not going to stay at a Hilton. We're going to stay at a small guest house. It's run by somebody local so that you can really help flourish that community. Yeah, we had this idea in our heads when we started traveling, as Heather mentioned, but it's only been hammered even more into us and, and even more a part of what we try to do every time we travel the more we've traveled because we've seen how it has affected those local economies. We've made friends with people who have guest houses and places that, you know, $30 a night goes infinitely further for them than it would if you line the pockets of a Hilton or a Hyatt. And that's not to bash on the big box hotels. They certainly have their place. But for us, always giving back to the local economy with accommodations. If there's a way you can hire a local driver eat at local places, things like that. It just goes a lot further for them. And we've seen it, you know, just help our travel life as well, because we've got to meet some really cool people. And um, we've told the story before in the podcast of a, a driver that we recommend that a lot of you have actually used in Siem Reap, Cambodia, Bunti, 
an amazing guy, one of the most amazing people we've ever met in this world, and how his life has been changed just by us using him as a driver, recommending him to EPOP people, a lot of you going and seeing him in CM Reap, and now he's like the king of drivers <laughs> in CM Reap. He's got like two or three vans, and his kids are able to go to English school, and I mean, that isn't because of us. That was just a, a fluke thing that happened, but it was an amazing way that really touched our hearts to say, yes, we should always, always, always try to give back to the local economy when possible. Definitely. Number six is say yes, in capital letters, we have yes here written, <laughs> say yes to travel opportunities. As long as you feel safe, you should always be saying yes. And we had this rule. Actually, we set it as a rule going to Georgia because someone told us this. They said, when you go to Georgia, there's going to be a lot of opportunities that spring up. And this is true for a lot of countries, but especially there, people are going to invite you to their homes. People are and- so friendly. I mean, some of the friendliest people in Georgia, they just want to share their wine, share their homes and their hospitality. So when we were there, we said yes to an opportunity that, you know, we might otherwise have been like, no, that's okay. Yeah, it basically led us to a feast and then being driven around the Georgian countryside in an old Soviet-era Lada Jeep by a guy named Totoro, Tonto? (laughs) Toto. Toto, not Totoro. (laughs) He was a Japanese. And he was just (laughs) pointing at all the mountains, couldn't speak any English, and he was just yelling, Kilimanjaro at (laughs) all the mountains. So if you want that whole story, you can listen to the podcast, The Reason We Travel. It was probably one of our best travel days of all time. And it was because we said yes to this opportunity that we seemed a little, not sketchy, but a little like, I don't know if we should do this or not. We said yes to it and it worked. So that can go forth for any country. Um, Just saying yes and being open to those opportunities. That's how you get those authentic travel experiences. Like number seven, follow the Chez sign. You want to explain what the Chez sign means and also why we decided to follow this Chez sign? (laughs) So we were hiking up this mountain in Montenegro. In Coder. Above Coder. There's like a really nice hike. It's not that that challenging, but it's really beautiful. And there was this sign that said, Fresh Goat Chez. (laughs) C-H-E-S-S-E. And, you know, there was an arrow. It was just like a wooden, you know, rustic hand meters or something like that, which we don't even know how long 50 meters (laughs) is. I I always. But, you know, off in the distance, there was this you could see this little teeny tiny farmhouse. And, you know, we had seen the sign about three times because there was a little church nearby and we were taking lots of pictures and it was kind of pouring rain. And, you know, we decided to head back down the mountain into the little town to get something to eat because it was raining. And Trav's like, man, I'm really curious curious about this Chez, this goat Chez. And I wonder if we should go. Nah, it's raining. Let's just go. And I'm Being like, my usual super decisive <laughs> self. I'm like, Trev, if you want to go to this farm and buy some uh, fresh goat cheese. That's not what she said. Well, I, you, you I said, let's just do it. And I said, I, I don't know why I said this, but I think we had just traveled with your parents a little bit. And it just seemed like something that, you know, Trav's dad would be like, yeah, we're going to go find out what this fresh goat Chez is. So I said, I bet your dad would go figure it out. And it, it wasn't, I wasn't even trying to be like mean or anything. I was just kind of making it as a comment, like, why wouldn't we go? The instant she said that, <laughs> I turned around. I'm like, we're going. And we hiked to this house. We did get fresh goat Chez. Not a word of English was spoken, except when the mother handed me a cell phone to talk to the daughter who lived down in the town who did speak a little English. 
But we spent an hour and a half with these people in their tiny little farmhouse, amazing view, drinking Rocchio, which is like homemade um, vodka, and <laughs> will definitely put you on your really butt. Gross. Be careful with that. <laughs> Fresh pomegranate juice that they were literally taking the pomegranates and squeezing them and giving us just really yeah, fantastic. And then fresh coffee. And I mean, they were just plying us with so drinks. So another one of our favorite travel memories of all time, all because we followed the Chez sign. So follow that Chez sign. Lesson number eight. Speaking of, you know, getting someone kind of goading you to do something, maybe it's at times you have to get away from that person who's goading you to do stuff. No, I'm just kidding. Number eight is solo travel is important, even or especially if you're in a relationship. So we usually travel mostly together. 90, 90 to 95% together. And for some reason, last year just so happened that we kind of started the year where traveling to Israel and... I wasn't able to go on the trip, so I went to visit some friends in Vancouver, and we had a separate travel experience, and it was just really nice. And then later in the year, we went with Hilton and did like a, you know, real solo travel trip where, you know, Travis went to Chicago, I went to Miami, and we went out to dinner alone. We didn't, like, I didn't have any friends in Miami, so I did basically everything alone. Trav, of course, being Trav, made friends in Chicago and then hung out. Uh, I hung out with some <laughs> E-pop out. listeners. It was a great could, time. Kevin House, could thank you for people, showing me but, around um, Chicago. You know, we just did these these solo travel trips and it just made us realize that as much as we love each other and love traveling together, it's also nice to kind of get on your own and just have a peaceful little solo trip. Yeah, it's just a different... You do different things when you're traveling solo than you do when you're with a partner or a group. I would flip this as well. If you if you typically travel solo, maybe flip it on its head a little bit and go with a partner. And don't be, you know, and you're gonna have to compromise something. You can't do everything you want to do all the time. So just whatever your normal kind of travel style is, flip it and do the opposite. Lesson nine kind of harkens back to this, and that's if you don't want to do something, don't do it. And this goes to me with solo travel a bit because even though we travel a lot together, in the beginning, we used to do everything together. Like I'm talking every trip we took, if I was going to walk around the city, I was like, Kath, come on, let's go walk around Paris together. Come on, blah, blah, blah. And even you know, if she wasn't feeling it, maybe she would tell me she's not feeling it, but she would still come or she would just not even tell me and just come with me and vice versa. We just felt like we had to do everything together because we were traveling together. And I think lately... Well, especially when you're location independent and you can travel a lot of the time, <laughs> we don't always want to be together. So I think a lot lately, it's like, oh, if Trav wants to bike around Vancouver for like eight hours, maybe I don't want to. So I'm I did go, stop at a few breweries and I'm I wasn't biking all eight hours. And do something else. Yeah. And I think that that's really important to to realize you can go do stuff even if you're with a group or, or with a partner or anything like that on your own. We've certainly started to do that more. The second thing that reminds me of this is we were traveling with Napkins, hashtag love Napkins. Some of you know him if you're a longtime listener of the podcast. Great guy. We were traveling in China. If you've heard that story, you know it didn't go so well for Napkins in China. But there was a time where we were going to the highest uh, what was it? Cable the highest car. cable car in the world, Jade Dragon Snow Mountain. It was looked awesome. That's kind of the reason we went all the way out to this town. And the day we were going to go do it, he just said, I don't want to do it. I'm like, come on, man. And we, Heather and I were like kind of we're picking like, on we him. We can't believe you're going to miss this amazing you travel go. experience. Just like push yourself. Let's go. And he's like, no, I just feel like I'm not going to enjoy it. I just need to rest. We've been moving pretty quickly. And 
yeah, we were just like, this kid's crazy. But when we look back on it, we use napkins as a lesson. It's like, okay, if you're if your body's telling you something that you need to like rest or you simply just aren't interested or don't want to do something. Or you need downtime, you need to read, you need to take like half a day or a day to play your Nintendo DS like napkins <laughs> or watch TV or just decompress. Whatever. Just do it. Just do it. So if you don't want to do something, don't do it. I wouldn't tell you to skip like Taj Mahal. I know people have gone to like India and all the way to Agra and then haven't gone to the Taj Mahal. I mean, come on. Uh, there's no other reason to be in Agra. But if you don't want to do something, don't do it. Lesson number nine. Lesson number 10. Pretty self-explanatory. Check your passport before you go international. Make sure Make, it's wait, valid. Wait, should I say <laughs> 10A, make sure you have your passport. Make sure you have your passport. 10B, because we haven't ever done that yet where we forgot our passport. But I came very, very close on this last trip. As we were walking out the door, I thought, oh my gosh, I need my passport to go to Canada. I almost didn't put it in. Like I, yeah. I just wasn't thinking. And I, I mean, this was as we were walking out the door to go get the flight. And luckily, I remembered and put it in. So 10A check your passport make sure you have your passport and two things that you want to check on your passport number one if you're lucky enough that you will run out of pages in your passport like we have both done make sure you have enough pages for those stamps or those visas number two make sure that you have six months of validity on your passport because some countries will not let you in if you don't have six months remaining on a valid passport learn both these lessons the hard way the first one we got stuck in singapore because my passport is full the second one my mom couldn't go to Cambodia because she didn't have six months of validity. So we had to go to the Bangkok embassy that day, rebook our flight. So, so yeah, check learn these lessons from us that you don't need to make these same mistakes. Yeah. Lesson 11, check the visa situation for a country and how long you can stay on a tourist visa. You don't want to overstay your tourist visa. We haven't done that. We've also never had a problem with visas, but this is probably just because thankfully we haven't ever gone to a, when we used to be checking our stuff more and be a little more on top of it. We were going to countries who needed visas. Lately, we haven't gone to any countries who needed visas, but we do have a friend who flew all the way to Brazil, realized when they told her she couldn't go to the country that she needed a visa for Brazil because she was Canadian and had to get on the next flight right back. Yeah, she so, couldn't even leave the airport. We have so. not had to do that, but check the passport, check the visa situation. Lesson number 12. I don't know if this is one of Trev's favorite lessons. I this don't know. This is my favorite lesson. <laughs> I thought it might be. So maybe you should say it. <laughs> We're not above begging, pleading, groveling, or bribing to get what we need at that point. There are now listed three stories that we could tell. We're not going to tell them all. No, we will tell them all, but we'll tell them very quickly. The aforementioned Singapore, when I didn't have enough pages in my passport, I had to bribe an official... I had, you know, about $100, $150 for him to let me on a pl on the next plane to well, Singapore. Well, to basically rebook our itinerary. Yeah. So, you know, it was tricky. It took us a lot of hours running around Singapore, different a day, locations. A whole, a whole like, day. full-on day until I finally just like, I'm going to slide him some money. And then it kind of all worked out. So. Well, maybe that was like the 100-plus rule that for that was, day, yeah, that Oh, as if you've never done that, huh? I, Only Heather <laughs> spent $100-plus in a day to make her day back. Better. Okay, hundred plus rule. <laughs> I bribed an official in Singapore. Getting on the train from Melbourne to Sydney, I forget what happened. What we had happened? The wrong day. Yeah, this has happened more than once, believe it or not. But and it's always been <laughs> Trev's fault. But he booked the. We were taking an overnight train from. No, this was supposed to be a day train from Melbourne to Sydney, like a twelve-hour train ride. And for some reason, he had booked it for the next day, and we wanted to go. This was New Year's Eve. And if we booked it the next day, we would totally miss New Year's Eve in Sydney. So we had to, um, 
bribe, ba- not bribe, no, begging, begging, please. Begging, this begging, was no begging. money exchange. This very nice train conductor finally was like, I'm going to let you on even though we're full. If someone needs these seats, you have to get up and like figure it out and move to other seats because people got on along yeah. the way. And um, this was after like 30 minutes of begging the last three. It was super nice. And then for some reason, no one ever needed those seats. It was great. Don't know where they ended <laughs> up. Um, and the last one was getting kites through India, which we'll save till the end. That was a bunch of, that was more not begging, pleading. I was groveling slash crying slash being hysterical. <laughs> Trav cried. Which, Just which kidding. we'll tell in the end. <laughs> uh, lesson 13, though, is sometimes charm just won't work so begging pleading groveling crying charming sometimes it just doesn't work you need to know when to give up and move on and i uh tried this once when i booked the wrong day of a train again when we were going i believe between prague uh to berlin and no, I, actually, we had booked the right day, but we didn't print. Oh, we didn't print. We didn't print the, the boarding pass. It was on our phone, and we thought we could just show them on our phone. And they were like, no, we need a physical piece of paper to stamp. Now, those Germans are like very legalistic and M- meticulous with their rules. So they were like, I'm sorry, you're going to have to repurchase a whole ticket. And on when this you're train. on the train, it's super expensive. And here's the kicker, babe mm. we had to purchase it. The ticket went through two countries. So in Germany, I had to purchase the ticket, it, you know, and then when we got to the border of the Czech Republic, they made me purchase it for that journey as well. <laughs> so I actually paid three times for the same ticket. Um, sometimes charm just won't work. Yeah, sometimes. Number 14, kind of along the same <laughs> note, borders between countries are meant to be broken. I mean, sometimes, in this case, we were on a train, so we couldn't really sneak our way across. But there have been other times, like when we've been driving, you know, maybe between... Where were we going? We were From going Sarajevo, between Bosnia, Bosnia and Croatia. Croatia. Bosnia and Croatia. We've told this story before, but we got to a checkpoint, a border patrol, where there was no one at. Yeah, and it was closed. It was 9.30 at night. It was pitch black. In, in the, the mountains. Bosnian, yeah, mountainside. Our car was basically about ready to run out of gas. There was nowhere to go. There was no we GPS. Had no GPS. So, so we were like, we don't even know how to get to another border crossing. Like, we're just in the middle of nowhere. There was not another soul around. We hadn't seen another car in like an hour and a half. And so we snuck our way through this border. It was much harder uh, than than it seems because there was a big arm down. Cement barrier. And cement barrier, which I had to squeeze the car between that and the little guard hut. And we fit, like, I mean, with inches on each side. I was doing the Austin Powers, like, back up, go forward, back up, go forward. Yeah, it took me at least, like, 40 like a 40 point thing to get around there. But borders between countries are meant to be broken. If they're not going to post a border guard there, hey... It's not our fault that we snuck over a border illegally. And luckily, we've never gotten caught when we tried to leave Croatia. We were worried that they would see that we had never re-entered it. But uh, yeah, I think, fortunately, the guy was glossing through our passport and wasn't looking for that. And you know what? Another perk of traveling all the time. We have a really full passport. Sometimes it takes them a long time to find the right stamp. And they just kind of give up. So (laughs) lesson number 15, find a balance between experience and sharing on social media. You know, as we travel more, we, uh, you know, for us, we like to post so people can see where we're going. And, And a lot of people like to do that, whether you have a travel podcast and website or not. 
But finding a balance between actually experiencing it and then, you know, documenting it. Maybe it's not even put on social media, but maybe it's taking pictures, this kind of stuff. You know, it's tough sometimes. Sometimes I find myself on my phone more and more and more looking up the best places to go and this and that, as opposed to just wandering around experiencing it and just enjoying it. So finding that balance is a lesson that we continue to learn over and over again. For sure. And I have to say, even... What you said about taking pictures, like we used to take so many pictures, especially when we got our first DSLR camera. And while that's all well and good, it's not necessary. I mean, I, I feel like everybody is thinking, oh, well, I have all this storage and it's all digital. But it's like, how many of those pictures are you actually going to print? So, you know, we haven't even like unloaded our DSLR camera or our phones. Heather, it's like, I think 15,000 pictures <laughs> on bet, our iPhone oh, at the moment. Um, No, 23,000. 23, Most 000. of them are in the iCloud. But anyway, <laughs> it's just... Enjoy the moment. Enjoy the moment. Yeah. Um, if you want an easy way to do this, the best way I've found is to literally take a digital <laughs> detox. And oh, I, thought, I thought you were going to say the best way to do this is to break your phone at the airport well, at the beginning of your trip and completely shatter it so that you can't use it. That was the punchline that I was getting to. But there you go. <laughs> yeah. Break your phone at the airport, shatter it. You can't use it. Then you're on a involuntary digital detox. If you want to do a voluntary one, just then not have to pay for a new phone, then just don't bring your phone with you or say, I'm not going to use it for the next three days. I did it for 10 days in Israel. I Every year now, I'm going to build a digital detox into my life, whether it's when I'm traveling or at home. Usually when I'm traveling because it's more fun at home, I'll just get bored. Um, digital detox. Yeah, don't bring your phone. Don't bring your computer. Say, I'm not going to be on it for 10 days. I was off the internet for 10 days and it was one of the best trips I've ever taken. So... Also, I wasn't there, so... What am I trying to say? Uh Um, Number 16, lesson number 16, travel doesn't always have to be quote-unquote exotic. Yeah, sometimes, you know, oh, I want to go to the Maldives. I want to go to Myanmar. I want to go to these far-off places, which, you know, is amazing, and you should definitely go to those places. But sometimes you just need maybe a trip that's a little bit easier, a little bit closer to home. For example, last year we were thinking of planning this big trip to Morocco, which I still am dying to go to. But for some reason, it just felt like at that time we were kind of crammed with some work and we didn't really feel like going that far away and planning this big trip. It seemed like it was going to be too much hassle. (laughs) So instead, we were like, let's see more of America, which is a country that because we live there, it's our home country. We always think, oh, we'll get to it. And we were like, let's just hop in the car because that feels super easy and go on a road trip, which was super duper fun. Super duper. Yes, it was super <laughs> duper. A lot of you <laughs> listening gave us incredible recommendations for places to go. We went all the way down through North Carolina, down to Nashville, through Birmingham, hung out with some e-poppers, uh, stayed with some e-pop folks in New Orleans and came back up. It was a great, great trip. And Yeah, we just decided to do it because hopping in the car the next day and going on a road trip was much easier than hopping on a flight and going to Morocco. And it turned out to be a fantastic trip. So sometimes if you can't go exotic or if you're feeling like, oh, my gosh, this is too much of a hassle, you know, good problems to have. I I should say these are hashtag first world problems to the nth degree, but it doesn't always have to be exotic. Just get out and explore your area or something that you've always wanted to do, even if it isn't this far flung crazy destination. Number 17, independent travel is great, but sometimes, and I can't believe that like Trav and I are both agreeing on this, sometimes an organized tour is great too. So when we first started traveling, we were always like, okay, we are going on our own. We're backpacking or we're planning our whole itinerary and we're doing everything ourselves, which we still do and love to do the majority of the time. But 
We have gone on a few trips where it's been organized by someone else. And granted, it's been like more of kind of a smaller, more intimate trip and not you know, like, um, well, you're not call? hopping on a huge tour yeah, bus. Yeah, they call? Yes, exactly. Which, I mean, if that's your first trip or if that's your 10th trip and that's what you like doing, no judgment there. Go for it. But for a lot of people listening to this podcast, I think you, we all like to independent travel. But yeah, sometimes it's just nice to not have to plan anything, to have everything taken care of. If there's a mishap, it's not usually your fault or something that you even have to deal with. So every once in a while, it's really nice. Yeah, and even in the midst of an independent travel, maybe you take a day, to, you know, you're you're guided around by a tour guide, or you take a day tour or a day walking tour or something like that or um, you know, so building that in where you don't have to think about things and someone shows you around and, and tells you what to do is is fantastic whether you're it's for a whole trip or just part of a trip. Lesson 18, it's good to research and get advice, but sometimes it's best to just get out and explore on your own. Hidden gems don't find themselves. <laughs> that's there you go there it is lesson 18 says it all lesson 19 one of the ways we like to get out and explore um on our own is by renting a car scooter or atv to get out and explore for some part of your trip so that's lesson 19 rent something some way to get you out of a city or an area so you can see more of it and it's nice to, i mean of course you can take public transportation which and sometimes we do but it's nice to have again that flexibility where hey this looks like a really cool you know, scenic spot or a cool little town. You know, we have road tripped in almost every country we've been to. And for example, when we were in Croatia and we drove from Split down to Dubrovnik, an amazing drive, highly recommended. But we never would have stopped probably in Makarska if we were on a bus. You yeah. know, and I mean, well, one of the best things that flipped our Greece trip around, even though, you know, we were kind of enjoying Greece, but like, I, don't, I don't care what the big deal is. We were kind of. We were stuck at, not stuck, but we were at, at the hotel, at this little boutique hotel for the first two days, and it was beautiful, but then we got a scooter, a motor scooter, and we got out and just started seeing the islands, uh, that island of Paros, and it just it changed our whole trip and our whole mindset, so we love getting motor scooters. If you don't like getting on scooters, we both have crashed them um, when we first started. <laughs> or if started. you have kids, you know, yeah. maybe you don't want them on a scooter. So, so you just can get something, even if it's for a something. day. Yeah, go go see, go explore. Don't don't set plans or maybe set a destination. You know, the best part about road tripping or getting on scooters is that you can stop whenever you want along the way, and that's kind of the magic of finding those hidden gems is being able to do that. So we highly recommend renting a car, scooter, ATV, and, and getting out of your little area, even if you're at a resort or anything like that. Number 20, if you try to bring bamboo kites from Bali through customs in India, you will get interrogated from men with machine guns. Yep. This was the third story we were referencing above. This was groveling slash hysterically crying. We had bought these awesome kites for these two kids that Heather and I are really close with in on the beach in Bali. They were they are I think they might be broken out, but they were amazing kites, like three D pirate, pirate ship ships. Kites. I mean, they were so cool, and I was really excited to give them to these two kids that I used to nanny after college, and my um, nephew and niece. We had bought four of them, and you know these guards were just like these look dangerous. They were giving us such they trouble. They were weapons. We tried I, to. Tell I don't them they understand weapons. how. I mean, they could think this. We they went through the scanners. They, you know, I'm like, you can open them up and then put them back together. Anyway, long story short. I ended up getting like so frustrated that I was like starting to cry and we thought kind we were going like, to miss yeah. our flight. And she was yelling it, at him. It was just a hot mess. But I don't know, for some reason in the end, they were just kind of like, 
you know, fine. And they kind of just like, in kind of like an asshole move, just like brushed us along. And they were like, just get out of here and take these kites, basically. I think <laughs> when this white girl is yelling at them, kind not yelling, but like hysterical and basically not giving in. And <laughs> they don't like, doesn't seem to care that they have machine guns strapped on them. They're at this point like, wow. Over I, a couple kites? Yeah, I mean, I guess geez. We can't intimidate her. So we're just going <laughs> to let this happen. Let's just get them on the plane and out of our country. Um, and that's basically what happened. So we did get to take them. Although, then at the next airport, at the Bangkok airport, we put them by our seats and we forgot they were there. So we got on the plane. And I had to, I'm like, Heth, did you get the kites? Because this was like a multi-leg journey to get home. She's like, no, I thought you got them. I had to run, I had to yell <laughs> yeah. at the flight attendant, run off the plane, go back into the waiting room and get them. So we almost didn't have them anyway after that whole thing. So yeah, lesson 20, bamboo kites through India. You will get yourself interrogated. So if you want to get interrogated by men with machine guns, bring bamboo kites through India. Number 21, Travel burnout is a real thing. We've done a podcast on this. If you're feeling a certain way, then trust yourself. We got burnt out finally um, traveling in Indonesia. You know, we, we saw that we were away from our home for three years straight, but we had basically been nomadic for about three years. And we we're sitting there and we we're supposed to be, spend five months in Southeast Asia. And it was raining, 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 raining in Bali in November over and over. We were in that crazy hath seesaw between work and mm -hmm. and exploring and we're like we're not even we haven't even got out on the scooter to see the rice paddies because we're just working and we just had we, said we I, just I, I want to be traveling for, for so much and, and you know this is before we bought we moved back into our house so we were so nomadic then and yeah it was it had been thanksgiving we were skyping my family and Trav's family and i was just like yeah, I kind of want to go home. I'm kind of sick of, of Southeast Asia. I mean, which is crazy because I love Southeast Asia. But when it rains for 10 days in a row and you're like just working and... It can happen. It can and, happen. And just be aware of it. And, you know, if you are, I'm going to say, if you are fortunate enough to have travel burnout, that means you've been traveling quite a bit. That's awesome. And, and we're not saying that, you know, it was a like, oh, cry for us because we had travel burnout. What we're saying is that if there are people, if you're location dependent or you get to travel a lot, where there is a point that it's not nearly as glamorous to you as it looks to everyone else. So it is a real thing. If you're feeling a certain way, you know, I said, all right, I didn't really want to come home, but I was also feeling a little burnout and I didn't know it. Heather's a little more in tune with herself than I am with myself. <laughs> she was like, I'm going home for Christmas. I'm like, well, I can't let her just go home. I'm not going to stay here in Thailand. <laughs> so after a few days of, you know, kind of fighting it out, um, we booked tickets and we came home and it was a very, very good decision. So, um, which leads us to lesson number 22. Sometimes home is the best place to be. Traveling is great. I used to think we were going to travel all the time. I had no desire to come home, even though I have great friends and family. I'm like, oh, we'll pop home here and there. You know, we're going to be travelers. We're going to be nomadic. And Forever. after four <laughs> years on the road, you know, it's great to have a home base. And sometimes home is the best place to be. So if you do travel a lot, relish and cherish your time at home. And if you are feeling burnt out, maybe you just need to go home for a bit and be around people who know you and be around a culture that you know and be comfortable and, and have stuff be easy because traveling certainly isn't easy. It's amazing and great and we love it. But one thing is that it isn't is It isn't easy. always easy. It isn't always easy. And especially if you do start, you know, building your business, sometimes we find that, you know, when we're home, like we talked about this batching of work, you know, at home in our house now we have offices and we can really focus and that's kind of like 
our designated space. So it does help you to be organized and like really push things forward sometimes. Yeah. Lesson number 23. Very logical. <laughs> Earplugs and eye masks are travel necessities. Bring them everywhere. I don't care where you're going. If you're staying at a five-star hotel, you know, we did that once. And for some reason, the blinds, the sun came right through and I needed my eye mask at a five-star hotel, which you could probably ask for one there. But anyway, no matter where you're going, bring those two I, items. I would like Heather to take lesson number 23 to heart because she never seems to have an eye mask. I'm always bringing two or three with me. And then we get on the plane. Invariably, this is how the first conversation goes after we sit down. Uh, hun, um, do, do you have... Do you have your eye mask? And I'll say, yeah, I have my eye mask. My well, eye mask. Kind of like you never carry sunglasses. There we go. All right. Touche. So yeah. Life is rough for Travis Sherry. She gives me her sunglasses. Anyway. <laughs> I give her my eye masks. I always give her Compromise. the good eye mask too. And then I Compromise. take the crappy ones. So All right. I don't really know what a nice eye mask really feels like when you're on a plane. So I've never gotten Number 24. Always carry Tums which is like an antacid in case, you know, they don't have Tums in other countries, if you're listening to this, in other countries. Thankfully, they do in a lot of other countries because yes. we've needed it. And sleep aids. So I don't know about you, but it's, I think it's really important to get a good night's sleep. And sometimes when you have jet lag, it just, you can't sleep all the way through the night or you're waking up at four o'clock in the morning, which is the same as not being able to sleep all through the night. <laughs> anyway, carry some sleep aids. Melatonin works pretty well. It's all natural. You could do something stronger if you prefer, but just have it with you. It's smart. It'll help. And then take it. Trav was really resistant to this in the beginning. I would always try to push these, you know, natural medicines on him, like take this melatonin, you'll be able to sleep. And at first he wouldn't, but now he's been converted. I'm a believer. Number 25, always carry Tums because of lesson number 25, eat everything. You're going to get sick if you travel enough anyway, so you might as well try it all. You might as well eat everything. You might as well bring your Tums because you, you will invariably get sick when you're traveling. This isn't always in the countries you'd assume. Neither of us got sick in India at all. We did actually get a head cold, but we had got we did not get sick. We did not get sick. We didn't get deli belly or anything like that. <laughs> but we just both did get sick while we were in Canada. So you never know when you're going to get sick or what food's going to do to you. Um, there's ways you can be a little more careful, but eat everything is my suggestion. A lot of times you're getting sick in places you wouldn't expect to get sick. And a lot of times you're getting sick from places that might be the quote unquote higher end places as well. So don't be afraid. Try it. Eat everything. Eat crickets, eat silkworms when you're in mm. Thailand. Yeah. Just get cow soy mesai. Okay, just get cow soy mesai. <laughs> but don't be afraid of getting sick because um, here's the bad news. You're going to get sick if you travel enough anyway. The good news is it usually only lasts 24 hours. And uh, if you follow Heather's $100 rule and you're somewhere cheap, <laughs> you can probably get a five-star hotel to yeah, be throwing exactly. up in. Exactly. Um, which leads us to how do you find these places, the best places to eat? Number 26, for the best experience, ask the locals. And we mean the real locals. You know, if you're staying at a really nice hotel and you ask the concierge, the concierge or say, he's going to point, we've actually had someone point us to a McDonald's before and we were in China like, oh, you should go here. We thought, this is not the exact experience <laughs> that I'm looking for my first night in Shanghai. Um, 
Ask the real locals. By that, we mean taxi drivers. I always like to ask them where they would eat. So if you're asking, you know, if you're at a local guest house, obviously that's a really cool way to give back to local community. Also ask them, where would you go to eat? Not where would you send me. What's your favorite restaurant? What's your favorite? So You can also ask, you know, we've asked at restaurants like when we're out to dinner you know maybe after we finish dinner you ask you know your server or, or sometimes the owner like if it's a small place you meet the owner you know ask them for their other other yep. spots that they like or a bartender you know just these people who get out you know that they're eating out every once in a while they know good spots especially if they have a good restaurant or you know if, yeah if it's a bartender who's really cool and personal like hey where would you go for your next beer this and that that's a great idea. And it does. It kind of then just, it's like a snowball rolling down a hill. Like, I'll get so many recommendations. I'll just keep following them. Um, and they're usually pretty good if you're asking the locals. So, lesson 26 ask the locals, you know, the real locals, where they would eat. Lesson 27 define your travel priorities, especially when traveling with others. So, Heather and I have different travel priorities. Obviously, as we've talked about this whole list, our, our priorities change and shift, and that's totally cool. And, um, before a ten dollar hostel was the right fit for us. Now a ten dollar hostel, maybe not. Maybe it's a thirty dollar, you know, boutique little guest house or something like that. But for me, my main travel priority, one of my main travel priorities, more than Heather's, is flexibility. I want to make sure that if something comes up, I can do it. And if I want to spend more time in a city or an area, I can do it. So for me, flexibility is one of my main travel priorities. I'll pay a little bit of more money, and you guys know I'm super frugal, so. I'll pay a little bit more money to have an extra week before we have to book our tickets to somewhere else because maybe, and there have been plenty of times where then we decided to go somewhere different, like a week before we were going to take a flight somewhere, and then we waited a week and we decided to go somewhere else. So that's my priority. And I, and I think it's important to know each other's priorities. So for my, for example, my probably biggest priority is comfort. And I think it's important that I know Trev's priority is flexibility so that I don't get irritated with him when he always wants to do these kind of last minute things. I know that that's important to him. So I try to keep that in mind. And the same goes for Trev, hopefully when it comes I to my I try to make sure comfort. she's comfortable much more than before. <laughs> so it's just good to define those travel priorities, especially if you're in a couple or even if you're traveling with your best friend. Just kind of have to be in tune with each other and know you know what's important and know that you won't always make the right decision for the other person there are plenty of times where i have uh chosen flexibility selfishly over comfort and we've led <laughs> to some travel uh mishaps and fights which we've done in another podcast if you want to listen to a really good podcast our relationship on the road is what it's called jason interviews us and we uh we take the gloves all. off and yep. tell all so listen to that one if you're looking for a really good travel one that we've done and getting back into kind of like the psychology of travel, number 28 is to monitor your cultural expectations. And this is really important because you can get to a destination and you have this expectation and then you either maybe it's been let down and you kind of have this miserable time or you get upset more easily. And I guess the biggest example we can give for this is to, I mean, like we sometimes expect things to be on time and scheduled, like in certain countries. Like right. That. If the train's coming at a certain time, it's going to be there. Coming. Even this... if you're in Philadelphia, it's probably only like five to 10 minutes late. You know, bus schedules, these things are different in other countries, especially more developing countries. And and it's not just about time and about travel. It's a lot of different expectations. But 
just make sure that you're monitoring your cultural expectations so that you can get the most out of your experience. If you're in Thailand and they tell you that you'll be to the island at 10 a.m. on Christmas Day, so you'll be sitting on the beach and you don't actually get there until 9 p.m. on excuse me, Christmas Eve, you don't actually get there till 9 p.m. that day. So you're talking another <laughs> 11 hours later. Um, you know, sit back, drink a bing tang, enjoy it. It's going to happen, right? Like, you can't do anything about it. So monitor those cultural expectations. Number 29, of course, I have to read this lesson. <laughs> it just happened this way. Always listen to Heather. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> when she thinks things are dangerous. I know she'd like me just to end it at always listen to Heather. For sure. Hard stop. But always listen to Heather, especially when she thinks things are dangerous. I told you Heather's a little more in tune with things. I'm much more oblivious, naive <laughs> at certain things. Uh, really quick story, and and we don't say this lightly, is that we were in a train station in China. Heather did not feel comfortable. We're not going to get into the whole thing, but it was it was basically a almost like a like a, a displaced persons a displaced camp persons camp at this ca- around at this train station, and we were all the way to the end, the last little town that you could even get to, right before you got into Tibet. It, it and, was it was and Travis pretty, and also napkins who was on the trip with us were both sick. And I just wanted to go upstairs because there was a ticketing area that you had to have a ticket to get through. And then you were in this, not a VIP area, but you know, a secure area, an area where people have paid to get their ticket to get on. So you had to have a right. certain amount of money to be there and to get I on the train. I simply wanted to go upstairs and go to that area and Trav and napkins were like, we're so sick. We can't move. Anyway, I forced them to go up there. They were both really grumpy and angry about it. And, Unfortunately, two days or the no, next day, 20, exactly, exactly 24, 24 hours, hours later. later, there was like a terrorist attack there where people came in with machetes. And I mean, not that I would never want to be justified in that way that I was like, see, I told you it was dangerous, but it was really dangerous. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> 33 people died and about 100 people were injured. And if we were there, you know, it was exactly 24 hours from when we were there. So if we had booked the train for the next day, we would have been in. A part of that, I mean, who knows what would have happened. So Heather's a little more in tune if she thinks things are dangerous. Usually, I'm going to say this, I do think usually the female is more in tune with that kind of stuff than the male. I think a lot of times we can be oblivious and happy-go-lucky, and that's great (laughs) for some reasons. But always listen to Heather when she or listen to the Heather in your life (laughs) or or the Heather inside of you. Um, (laughs) Lesson number 30. I have to read this one as well. Um, don't carry a lot of cash because you'll probably lose your wallet. I have gotten multiple recommendations from listeners to do a top 10 places I've lost my wallet in the world podcast. That will be coming soon. We have to do it at some point. I lose my wallet a lot and therefore I don't like to carry a lot of cash on me. Mm, for sure. Number 31. If your husband has a penchant for losing his wallet, buy the tile. Do you know what the tile is? Yeah, I know what the tile is. They might not know. Not everyone reads our holiday gift guide. Despite the fact it is the number one travel gift guide in the world, not everyone reads it. So the tile is this little device you can put in your wallet or you can attach it to your keys or your laptop, any your passport even. And it basically has like a little monitor on it where you can find it if it's misplaced. So buy it. It was like 30 bucks. Yeah, 
Exactly. I, I still don't know how. I mean, I have had to use it, not because I lost my wallet because I wanted to try it out. Since I bought the towel, I haven't lost my wallet. Maybe it's also one of those placebo effects, too. Like, I haven't lost my wallet yet because Maybe. I have the towel. I, I don't know. should have got it for you a long time um, ago. And our last lesson, our 30-second <laughs> lesson after five years of traveling around the world, of getting to be location-independent, seeing many, many countries mm-hmm. and many in this amazing world and, and going to many states, is lesson number 32 you will get swindled in India. This is a hard <laughs> and fast As savvy as you fact. are. You will. We thought we were doing so well. We're not getting swindled. This and that. Little did we know that in India, the tuk-tuks have a chart. Like we saw this number coming up, like a, a taxi meter. And that's how much we thought we had to pay. We didn't know that for some reason... That number then went to a chart that showed how much you had to pay. It's a very bizarre system. So we were paying like, I don't know, two, three bucks a ride. Like, this is so cheap. We just went so far. And these guys would just smile really big at us, (laughs) not say anything. And finally, after I got back and this young kid, he kind of gave it away because he was smiling so big. Like he had just scammed me. And I'm like, how did he scam me? Like, he can't be this happy. I don't know how I'm getting swindled. I looked up Mumbai tuk-tuk costs and I realized... Hey, that number on there goes to a chart. We are actually paying about 10 times what we should have been paying for at least four or five rides. You know, no big deal for us. It was two or three bucks. We should have been paying like 20 or 30 cents. Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to happen, not just in India, probably other countries but in the world. But definitely in <laughs> India. You will get swindled despite how savvy you are or how much you've traveled. Anyway, just let it go. Have fun. Hopefully these lessons have helped you in some way, you know, travel better. Um, Not make the same mistakes or at least make the same mistakes intentionally. You know, there's some mistakes we made in here that ended up being good. Following the Chess sign, that wasn't really a mistake. But yeah, always follow that Chess sign. That's our 32 lessons learned from five years, quote unquote, on the road, being nomadic, being location independent. I can't wait to do this again in another five years. I don't have no idea what will happen or what our travel will look like. Who knows? But those are our 32 lessons learned from five years of travel. Don't forget, guys, if you are traveling, you want the best travel backpack, the one that I use, take around with me all over the world, head on over to tortugabackpacks.com. Use the promo code EPOP, E-P-O-P, all capital letters. That'll get you 10% off your entire order. And if you're someone who does want to travel more, you want to create a lifestyle like we have, you want to be able to travel enough to make 32, to learn 32 lessons over the next five years. You know, we're putting together this paradise pack so that you can become location independent. Our dream is that as many people out there who want to be location independent can become location independent because for us, it really has changed our life and allowed us to do some amazing things. And and we- honestly, I would never want it any other way. It's such an amazing life. You know, so many people, all of our friends are kind of jealous. Um, we love our life and it would have been easier if we'd had a paradise pack when we started. For sure. A lot of the mistakes we would have made when building a business and learning how to travel, live and work anywhere could have been avoided. And that's what we try to do inside the paradise pack is give you the best products out there for building a business, growing a business and learning how to live that lifestyle. You can get that head on over extra pack of peanuts.com slash paradise. Don't forget. It's only available once a year this year on 2017, May 30th through June 5th. Then it is gone forever. 
Okay, so you cannot get the same 2017 Paradise Pack ever again. If we do it next year in 2018, it will be brand new products. So check that out. It is at a 92% discount this year. Um, and if we add any other products, it'll grow to 93, 94%. So you can get that extra pack of peanuts.com slash paradise. If it's before the Paradise Pack that you're listening to this, that'll get you our free gift as well, which is uh, 10 ways that 10 real people make money online so that they can travel the world. So head on over extra pack of peanuts.com slash paradise. Thank you for listening today. Thanks for staying with us through 32 life lessons that we learned through travel. Travel life lessons. Travel life lessons. <laughs> we appreciate the support, as always, that makes us the number one rated travel podcast. And until next time, happy free travels. Happy free travels.